1: What's good everyone and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Brandon Rowicki Great show for you guys today ahead of a huge week for the Jets. We'll start off by looking back actually. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this but we do have to talk about the massacre in Montreal that 7-1 loss Saturday night. I mean, what is it about the national games on Saturday night that always sees the Jets get their tushy spanked? I swear to God, it happens every time. But I'll give you my thoughts on that one first. Before we look ahead to the colossal week, like I mentioned, that's upcoming here in Winnipeg, we're going to get into maybe the biggest three game stretch of the season so far for the club. One versus two in the North Division. Jets leafs, baby, it doesn't get any better than that. Good friend and analyst from McKean's Hockey. Gus Katzeros joined me for a great talk. Gus does a deep dive with me on the Jets' forward lines, their defensive game. He tells us what to expect against the Leafs, and also how the Jets can take advantage of Toronto in this huge three-game set that's coming up in just a little bit. You know first of all, I will tell a little story. It's funny. Gus has joined me. He was a regular guest on the Big Show with uh, me and Jim Toth and Troy Westwood for the past few years now. And we've kind of become friends over the last little while, strictly for, for me and Gus. I mean, for those that didn't know, I was the guy on the big show that would help, you know, call the guests, get them ready for the interview, get them on with Jim and Troy. And, and just from those brief, I mean, 30 seconds to, to 60 seconds chats we would have before he would come on with the guys, we, we kind of fostered a friendship that way and and legitimately one of the nicest people you could ever meet and it's just kind of cool to see how that's grown over these past few years and and now we finally get a chance to chat on the podcast here i guess it's just a lesson that if you can you know be genuine be super nice and even these little pockets of time and i'm not even talking about you know the broadcasting world but just in any in any walk of life if you can handle yourself like that, you know, good things are going to come and, and people are going to remember you fondly from that. One other person, and there's been plenty that have done this, by the way, but one other person that was was very similar to Gus Katsaros how, and how nice and how thoughtful they'd been in, in their talks with me over the years uh, was Chris Schultz. And I'm sure you guys have heard the news by now that Chris Schultz, former cfl Long-time worker at TSN, a, a ton of great work for for CFL on TSN. He passed away uh, just a little while ago, uh, far too young. But just wanted to pass on my condolences and and send any positive thoughts out there to the Schultz family. Uh, Chris was just a hell of a guy, one of the nicest people you could ever have the good fortune to meet. And you know we're gonna miss him. I know everybody over there at TSN is going to miss him as well, so again, just wanted to send all my best out to the Schultz family. Now before we get into Jets Leafs, a great talk with Gus Katsaros, a quick word from our sponsors over at DraftKings, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday comes every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week again is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball, golf, hockey. DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night. It is simple to do, super easy. You draft your lineup and you feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion with a B to users across all sports. DraftKings is also the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply see DraftKings.com for details also a huge week or a huge week huge month coming up March Madness is set to get underway in just a little bit and DraftKings can definitely hook you up and make the madness a little more crazier and maybe you can throw a couple bucks and add that on top of it you know I'm, I'm actually thinking too as we move through March of doing some March Madness style brackets but with food and and one of them was I I think we got to find out what the ultimate Slurpee flavor is I I feel like that's especially here in Winnipeg the capital of the world for what is it 400 years running we got to figure out what numero uno is but I do want to just ask this and hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore we're talking jet Habs in just a second here um, but I saw this the other day heading to Sev I was too. I was a little chicken. I was too chicken to get it, to be honest. I went with my my old reliable just straight up Pepsi. But I saw a Slurpacino. And I wanna know if you guys have ever had the Slurpacino. Should I get the Slurpacino? And and is it worth taking the dive in? And I'm so cheap, I'm like, I don't want to waste two bucks. I don't like and, and the I mean not the worst part, but masks are great, but with the mask on, you can't do the usual, you know, sample a couple flavors here and there before you make your decision so let me know again hit me up on twitter at brandon underscore wiki is the Slurpachino a must try should i make it a part of my slurpy lineup all right quickly jets habs i don't want to spend a ton of time on this you guys probably don't either <laughs> but I, I guess the main thing is every team in the nhl every team in any sport you kind of do one clunker a year And you just don't talk about it anymore after that. And I think that's what that game was for the Jets. And it's funny because it wasn't like they played horrifically in the first period. And you knew that after 20, it was just going to be one of those nights. You know, they they didn't play great. But you weren't thinking 7-1 was on the menu (laughs) a little bit later on there. It wasn't that bad. The second period happens though. And all hell breaks loose. I mean, the turnovers were astonishing. The amount of passes that were just thrown up the middle, I don't even know what the what the thought was behind a bunch of those. But it was just pretty clear that the Jets weren't going to have a prayer the rest of the night. Montreal was ready to capitalize. It was a, a massive win for them, one that they desperately needed on top of it. So it was maybe a bit of a perfect storm too where the Jets have been playing well, due for a loss. and And Montreal, with all the turmoil they've gone under, they needed that win more than anything else. So so maybe there was a bit of that brewing. I guess the big thing that stood out to me, though, and I really hate going down this avenue time and time again because I don't want to sound like a broken record to you guys, but it's it's just hard to ignore. It, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Josh Morrissey needs some help, man. That one pass Tucker Pullman tried to make to Mark Scheifele, I mean, that should be a routine a routine play for a top-pairing defenseman where, hey, you either pass it to Mark Shifley's stick, not eight feet behind him, or you rip it off the glass and you try and grab the puck at the neutral zone. I mean, that play wasn't great. Uh, Tucker Pullman struggled with the puck all game long. Nathan Beaulieu wasn't much better, might have even been worse on on top of that. And then some of the decisions that he was making, that one goal, you know, instead of just kind of sagging back and, and taking the guy in front of the net, going down trying to block the pass, you leave everybody open, chaos ensues. I mean, his most his two most regular partners this year, Bolu and Pullman. And and again, this isn't on those guys. They're third pairing defensemen. So play them together on the third pairing. And they were great in that playoff series against Calgary together. I'm just I'm I'm so shocked at this point that Paul Maurice hasn't gone back to that And hasn't brought Dylan DeMello back onto the top pair with Josh Morrissey. I wonder what it's going to take, honestly. Maybe a blow it against Toronto, I guess. Maybe a couple losses against the Maple Leafs. They're going to go into game one against Toronto, apparently with the same lineup. I just think it's way past overdue. I know a bunch of you do as well. I would just love to see Morrissey DeMello get a ton of games here before. And it's really important, too, because of the trade deadline. Like, Let's push aside the the chase for a home playoff spot at this point. But if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff and if you're Paul Maurice, don't you want to know what you have for sure in Morrissey DeMello first before you take the plunge on potentially giving up a first-round pick and or a high prospect? If you're going to make a run at Matthias Ekholm, if you're going to try and maybe grab a, a David Savard, like don't you want to know for sure that we're not comfortable with Morrissey and DeMello as a top pair before we make that move. Like, I, I just, I don't really get the thought process that's going on behind the defensive pairings. And that's what just kind of stood out to me the most in that game. You know, it's funny too, because 7-1 blowout loss, but I think in those two games against Montreal, just switching to the forward core for a sec, I think Dubois either's connor has started to gain a little bit of chemistry, and that's been fun to see. And that would be just a huge, huge boost for the club to have those three start to take over games themselves. It hasn't been perfect, no doubt about it, but you're just starting to see some of these things slow down for them. When they're out there on the ice, they're finding each other in really good spots. The one thing I've noticed that's happened a little bit consistently in those two games, Ealers grabs the puck with a ton of speed, no surprise, and he drives it wide, and he's able to find Pierre-Luc Dubois, who trails in that slot for a dangerous shot. They've been able to find out a couple times, including the OT goals. So that was maybe the one positive development from that 7-1 game. The other, I guess, just being they had a couple of days off before things get really crazy. The schedule get, just gets super intense. And now the games get ratcheted up even a little bit more with this big, big three straight against the Maple Leafs coming up. Speaking of Jets Leafs, it's time to dig into the Big Show Vault and bring back a name that you guys are pretty familiar with. All right, very pleased now to be joined with Guts Cat McKean's hockey analyst. Gus, it's been a while. How you doing, man?
0: Thank you very much. I'm doing great. hope you guys are doing good, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're finding a way to, to trudge on through, and it's it's great to hear your voice again. It's funny, I was thinking, you know, it, it, we can't find a way to make it happen, but you're in a, in a previous incarnation... Your big show GIFs before joining me, Jim, and Troy were something I look forward to every Wednesday. So it's a it's a little bit earlier in the week than we're used to, but it's it's still great to have you on for some hockey talk.
0: Uh, it's hard to figure out now when Wednesday really is, right? Like all my, my <laughs>
1: sense of timing has just completely gone out the window now. I appreciate it. Uh, before we get into the hockey, I do want to bring this up because we do have the plates portion of the podcast here. Uh, I noticed on Twitter in the past, jalapeno garlic oil lemon potatoes these are just some of the things that you've uh you've shown your fellow followers that you're capable of in the kitchen so i know you've got the chops i'm just wondering what you've been up to in the kitchen this week any beauty creations you've come up with
0: actually what i've been trying to do um is to master deep frying and deep frying is tough it's a it's a it's a skill amongst itself right because you have to get the batter right and the coating right um so that's kind of the next chapter so we're going to see how how far we can get to fried foods. Now the the lem- the garlic and uh, chili oil every kitchen should have at least a bottle of that. Even if it's just to add a little bit of splash of flavor as soon as you start the cooking process, oh, it's just it adds this this and I have to give the 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 credit to my wife being Indian. She's the one that introduced me to all the spiciness and the way that they introduce spice into their dishes. So it, it, I've had a learning lesson from, from marriage and I've been really been able to kind of put all these into practice. And I guess you see some of the, the more interesting stuff on Twitter. There are some
1: misses, but why would you be posting the misses? Yeah, that's right. And so two things from that one Uh, you'll have to send me the recipe for the garlic chili oil once we're done here. And two, if I can't find uh, a a full-time gig anytime soon, I'm just letting you know that I'm moving into the (laughs) Cat (laughs) full-time. No problem. You'll always be (laughs) well-fed. All right, well, enough of that. Let's get to the big week ahead for the top two teams of the North. Let's push the debacle against the Montreal Canadiens aside. What have you thought of the Jets' most recent stretch of play and do you think they're playing as well as their strong record indicates?
0: Well, I think that they've been rolling along expectations. It's not like they're, the um, they've exceeded what I think that they're capable of. So I've always felt that the jets um, were somewhere in that three, four range, somewhere in that division. And I, um, I think a lot of the fact that, that Montreal has kind of slipped after a really hot start has given Winnipeg the runway for them to be able to kind of start running away with the second overall. Um, They've got to start putting a few more wins um, together uh, to start creating some separation between the third and the fourth spot. Um, catching Toronto, you know, it would be nice because now that you have this three-game series and that can make up a lot of ground, but there's still a lot of season to be played left. Um, And there's a lot of disparity amongst that, that entire division that um, I'm not really sure whether Winnipeg has a chance to really um, capture first overall. Um, But they really put themselves, especially through this little recent stretch where they put themselves in a position to really, really take over that second spot Um, and, and, and really kind of showed a a clunker against Montreal. Every team is allowed a clunker every once in a while. You get rid of all of those little bad habits. Um, You go back into the video room. um, You start to clear out a little of the things a piece at a time. Um, And then hopefully what they'll they'll find is they'll find that happy medium that they've had over the last, let's say, five to ten games. Um, Adding things like Dubois, um, and, and changing the momentum the way that they've had to, to, to deploy their forwards, I think that that also kind of ch- um, uh, threw a bit of a wrench in the works. It's always good to have a player like Dubois that you can insert into the lineup, but it does um, end up uh, upending a little bit of the chemistry. And once the Winnipeg gets through that, and I think that they're pretty much at the end of that cycle right now, um, they'll show that they really truly are one of the better teams in that division.
1: Well, let's go to the forward core first then. And you mentioned the new guy Dubois there a ton of talk about where his best fit is in the lineup and ultimately what the, the forward core as a whole looks like heading into a playoff push. If it was up to you, do you think the jets would be best situated going Shifley Dubois, Stasny Lowry down the middle, having a balanced four lines or maybe what they're kind of going with right now, where it's a loaded up top nine and one of Dubois or Stasny shifts over to the wing.
0: Well, Here's the thing about – so ultimately, I think, and this is the one hole that Winnipeg has had for years, that second-line center spot has been a debate amongst itself every Wednesday on the big show. It was one of those holes you just knew weren't – they tried to fill it with Kevin Hayes. They um, uh, unsuccessfully but in spurts gave a little bit of to Andrew Kopp. Like there were little parts to Matthew uh, Perot. There was always a, a temporary spot. Um, sorry, the temporary person to take in that spot. And now Now they have have the permanent. Well, (laughs) I think that they have Dubois. That's the guy. He's the guy. He's the number. But it's Stastny's spot, I think. See, with Stastny's contract, in the middle of the fact that, like, he just needs to kind of play out this year, and he's much better as a center than he is a winger, I think it's best that they actually keep Stastny in that spot. It's nice to have... You know, the choice now that you're able to kind of mm. put one or the other. But you can move Dubois on the wing, and it's not necessarily a bad move because he could play either position. Um, he's probably better up the middle as well. But I mean, for the short period of time, um and for the extenuating circumstances that we're in, the COVID, the pandemic, and the shortened season and 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 the fact that Stasney's up at the end of the season. So you have to give Stastny the availability to be able to kind of produce at his best, and that would be in the middle. And you throw Dubois on the side, and you'll let Dubois take over that second-line center spot from next season and on. Right now, I think it's Paul Stastny that they should go with. So it's Sheffley, Stastny in the middle, Dubois on the wing, um, and they could just kind of put anybody up uh, three and four. Andrew Copp may be on the third line.
1: And that's what Paul Maurice has been rolling with right now in – you can make the case. I mean, that's what they were doing when they were racking up wins, so I can understand, you know, Paul Maurice wanting to maybe give that a little bit of run, although right now it's Stasny out there on the wing with Scheifele and Wheeler and Dubois centering Connor Ehlers. I'm sure that's a line that Paul Maurice hopes can be a big trio for them moving forward next year. Um, I, I do want to shift over to the defense, though, because that's the top of jure in Winnipeg right now. The way the deep pairings are down to... Josh Morrissey, trying to get him back to the guy that he was a couple of seasons ago. What have you made of his play so far this season? Because I I guess what I would do is you have to throw a caveat in there when you talk about how Morrissey has played this season, because the majority of his partners have been either Nathan Beaulieu or Tucker Pullman, guys that realistically should be situated on the third pair, not trying to elevate themselves onto a top pair with Josh Morrissey.
0: Yeah, see, that's part of the problem, right? You've given Morrissey the responsibility of handling difficult minutes with players that probably aren't up to the same type of caliber, Um, and it's dragging his numbers down as well. So performance-wise, you can see that there's some – I don't want to say something is wrong. It's not like I think that he's playing with an injury or anything, but um, there is definitely something wrong on the ice with both um, his own partner and the fact that they're not necessarily meshing with the forward unit. So that's definitely a problem. Um, I think that Morrissey is one of those players where you have to start letting the reins go, let him kind of be a little bit more creative. Um, But that's also kind of counter conducive to what Paul Maurice likes to play. And I think that there's a little bit more of a structure that – um, Morrissey has to follow along, which negates some of his more offensive instincts. What I do like is the fact that he's able to take players like Beaulieu and and uh, and the Tucker Poolmans, and and anybody else that he has to play with and be able to kind of mentor them, that I think will be a benefit down the road. I just think that from a temporary perspective, um, he's just not going to get uh, the opportunity to shine the way that he can offensively. Now, having said that, you do have some other bright spots in the fact that Neil Pionk is actually performing exceptionally well, uh, both at 5-on-5 five five and on power play. Um, you have good um, good pedigree in Dylan DeMello and I have very good confidence. But in a whole, aside from Josh Morrissey, it's not like Winnipeg defense is, is a killer. Like There's a lot of really good second-pairing defensemen there, but you couldn't really say that there's a definitive first pairing. And Morrissey's supposed to be part of the the solution there. He's supposed to be one of the first-pairing defensemen. Um, and then it's that hole in the middle. They just don't really know what to play it with. Um, And they're trying to plug it in with players that they thought would be able to kind of contribute to the same type of methodology. Look at Nathan Bouillot, the way that he's able to kind of move the puck and he's a carrier and, and he's more offensively minded. So you have a little bit more of a responsibility for Morrissey to say, okay, I can't really do the things that I really want to do because this guy wants to do that. And it's not, necessarily a bad thing because you also want to elevate Boyle to be able to say, I can play these two in as a partner um, throughout with regardless of whoever is on the ice from the opposition. So that's kind of the main goal. So you, in order to, to, to elevate some of those other players, um, somebody has to become a mentor and somebody has to be attached to those players and give them the ability for them to kind of shine with their own specific skills. Um, so I'm not as concerned as Morrissey's immediate results you do want to see progression and get better um, but the circumstances as to why this is happening are reasonable to assume um, that this is just a temporary issue that will be fully uh, work itself out into the future
1: if you were kevin shovel would you aggressively pursue a trade for a guy like matthias Eckholm?
0: well i kind of think if winnipeg is in a situation where they think that they can win a cup you kind of go for something like that. Um, it, he's also a building block, but at the same time, they have a lot of really good young players that they want to try to uh, bring into the lineup. I, I think in the long run, they're much better off um, letting the players like Hinola and, 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 and Sami Niku and, and the players that they know that they have a little bit of cost certainty over. Run with the ball rather than trying to go and get Matthias Ekholm. Elk, uh, now Ekholm has a specific skill set that would definitely be a help for the. Uh, he's part of that that the answer to the to the first pairing defenseman. Yeah, but at the same time, is Winnipeg really that much of a contender to pay the price for Ekholm because it's going to be very expensive, and B. Is he going to be a long-term solution? So those two questions, I think, kind of negate the fact of them going out and making a big splash. They won't do something like that.
1: It's funny, too, because the team that I follow, the Jets, and the team that I cheer for, the Flyers, are both the ones most heavily, apparently, aggressive in pursuing Mr. Eckholm, and I'm kind of torn here because, I don't know, I want him to go to one of these teams. <laughs> going to help me either way. Uh, but we'll see. And I, I think David Savard too would be a good fit. That's another name that I think Jets fans should keep an eye on.
0: I thought that I think Savard is actually a much better um, possibility than Ekholm would probably be in Winnipeg. So good luck to your Flyers.
1: Well, enough about the Flyers. Tell us about the enemy coming in here. Three against the mm-hmm. Leafs. Um, the main thing and the main difference everyone's going to point to with the record is the defensive game, and it seems like they've taken a leap in that aspect. It's been much maligned for a long time. Seventh in shots against in the NHL this season. How how much has it improved? And has it been just personnel changes? Or does it go a little bit deeper than that in Toronto?
0: Well, I mean, there was really nowhere to go but up. Their defense has been so questionable over the last few years. And the reliance on Freddie Anderson almost on a nightly basis was just so, so heavy um, that they tried to intervene in certain ways. But there's things that... Uh, There's things that Toronto does. Like, for instance, uh, you see their defense. It's not necessarily a a traditional defense. And the idea of traditional defense is is a little outdated at this point as well. What you're trying to do when you're a good defensive team is get pucks back. So you're going to do that by instilling a better forecheck in the offensive zone. Because if you can limit that team getting out of their zone, you get the puck back. You don't have to play defense. Better neutral zone presence, which is something that was severely lacking over the last couple of years. So there's better back pressure. There's more pressure coming in uh, from the, the defenses, so they're gapping up in uh, uh, its center ice a little bit better. So it's taking away the opportunities for other teams to get into their zone. It's going to make for a difficult, more difficult zone entries. It also should, theoretically should, create um, less zone time as well. So less zone time better defensive measures in the offensive and the neutral zone. So Toronto's done a much better job in all three of those zones. um, And in all three of those particular instances that it's helped their overall defense. I think that that's fantastic. They've had a difficult time with some injuries in net Fred Anderson was hurt for a little while. Jack Campbell was still questionable. Um, So they've had to go through a bit of a carousel of goaltenders. Um, Having said that, you know, they go on and they play Edmonton they don't allow a goal for in three games and this is supposed to be a contending team. And then they lose two straight to the Vancouver Canucks and they lose another one to Ottawa. Like it, you, yeah. there are elements and there are times where even like juggernaut teams, and I don't consider Toronto be a juggernaut. I just think that they're playing very well and catching teams um, that aren't playing very well. Um, it just kind of goes to show you a good team is still vulnerable any given night if the opposition is up to playing and destroying their system and their type of play. So this kind of tying back to what Winnipeg and Toronto is doing, um, you have Austin Matthews that is in 100%. So we're not seeing the same kind of scoring sprees as we were before. That doesn't necessarily translate into a higher point production from Mitch Marner. So now the goals are not coming as high as much uh, and as fast as, as Toronto would want. There needs to be better production from John Tavares and William Nylander, and that's starting to creep up uh, over the last few games as well. William Nylander is much maligned. I think a lot of that has to do with optics. He's such a skilled player, and he doesn't necessarily need to be looking as if he's engaged every single second of the game. As soon as that puck hits his stick, he's ready to go and then – Um, He's able to create scoring chances, and that's what you want out of an offensive player. Um, And if there are defensive issues, that's a coaching issue. They can surround them with players to make sure that that um, becomes less of a burden on their line. Having a player like John Tavares there to a veteran presence that's gone gone through all of that should alleviate a lot of that problems. Um, So what Winnipeg is going to see is a team that is really focused on scoring goals, scoring chances, and generating scoring chances with their star player who does the most damage, um, not 100%. So they might have caught Toronto in a position where they're able to steal a couple of those games, take away those precious little points, especially if it's in regulation, and start to really close the gap on first, going back. I'm not sure if they have it all to take over the first, but create that separation from second and third. You start putting a little cushion there and all of a sudden the world's a much better place around the trade deadline. You don't have to waste assets because of just, you know, like there's a better way to set themselves up for the future by taking
1: maybe two or three games here in Toronto. So aside from Matthews not being at 100%, what are some of the other things that the Winnipeg Jets can take advantage of? What are some of the weaknesses that can be exploited with the Maple Leafs?
0: See the thing about that is there's there's probably a lot that can be like if their goaltending isn't up to where it should be, um and Toronto still has a lot of defensive lapses. If Winnipeg could generate a lot better offensive zone time, um and really keep the Leafs hemmed in their zone, they really start to crack. There's the system is better, but it's still not complete. So as long as they're giving up a lot of offensive zone time, um, Winnipeg could really really do a good job by forechecking and getting pucks back in the in the offensive zone um, they need to limit Toronto's northwest game and really quick um, so you're going to have to see forwards being uh, met with uh, the Jets defensemen at center ice they're going to have to engage at a certain point so that uh, puts an element of risk in Winnipeg's side uh, but if it works out then you have a lot of broken plays at center ice they turn right around transition and go right back in while they're skating one way and Toronto's kind of recovering from the other so there's there's a lot of neutral zone work that I think the New York, uh, I was going to say the New York Jets, but it's not <laughs> the New York Jets. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to do a lot better uh, zone neutral zone work. And if they can kind of limit and take away Toronto's space there, and a lot of teams have figured that out, um, they can kind of slow down that scoring machine and then force Toronto to play, play a more uh, structured forechecking game and a cycle game, which really isn't to their forte. Um, So that's where I think Winnipeg could really focus. They really need to just close that gap in the neutral zone with some really skilled defensemen um, on the Toronto Maple
1: Leafs' skilled forwards. Well, Gus, again, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. It was great getting the chance to meet up and talk with you again. Before we let you go, I ask all my guests this before they head out the door, but for Jets, and we'll say it's Jets-Leafs tomorrow night, what is your ideal game day meal. If you could pick something to chow down on for tomorrow night, what's uh, what's on the menu in the Katsaros household?
0: So how creative can I get with this? And how much time do I have? As, as creative as you want. Okay. So there is a uh, Indian dessert. It's called a Golab Okay? It is a fried piece of dough in this, this sugary syrup that is just absolutely incredible incredible. So you're going to make the dessert and the dessert is going to be left to the side. The syrup from that though is going to become the base for your salad dressing. So you're going to take that syrup. You're going to put a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of vinegar, salt, pepper, and oregano. You're going to mix all of that together and it's just going to be just heavenly. And it doesn't even matter what kind of salad. You can put lettuce, romaine, like Caesar salad using this dressing, um, or like a, like just a regular, Chef salad with that kind of dressing. The starter is going to be saganaki, which is a fried Greek cheese, and you just add some lemon, and a little bit of alcohol, let it all kind of soak up, and beautiful. Um, Main course is going to be a butter chicken served with Greek um, um, pita bread, tomatoes and onions if you want to do it on the Greek side, tzatziki, And then you make the butter chicken really, really spicy so that the tzatziki or the yogurt from the really kind of takes away a little bit of the heat. And then in the end, after all of that goodness, you have this really beautiful gulab jam and this piece of dough that's going to be heavenly. And that is a perfect game day
1: meal. Gus, not disappointing (laughs) whatsoever. I'll tell you this. We have world class chefs. Join us on the podcast, and you might have the best game day meal that I've had so far. Now, speaking with somebody that has the Greek heritage that you do, I, I got to get it straight, uh, straight from your mouth here. Perfect tziki is it just simple Greek yogurt, cucumber, mint, lemon, and away we go? Or is there some other tricks that I need to be aware of?
0: So the Greek yogurt has to be a special kind of yogurt, which has a little bit of a, um, the, the Greek yogurt that you get in the store will work, but it's, it's not as thick as the typical yogurt that they would use. The curd is a little bit thicker. If you want, if you have a specialty store in, in Winnipeg, then, then you'd probably find something like that. Um, but the thicker the yogurt Uh, the better the tzatziki turns out because the lemon kind of thins it out enough and the rest just kind of melts it all in. And yeah, that's it. That's perfect.
1: Beautiful. Well, Hey, I I didn't know I'd be getting a crash course in Indian and Greek cuisine, but I'm glad we made it happen. So (laughs) thanks so much for joining me today, Gus. We'll have to have you on the pod sometime soon, but until then all the best and uh, enjoy the rest of your night
0: is always mine man thank you very much for the invite I, I look forward to the next one
1: a great talk there with gus katsaros pretty interesting eh? that this might be the perfect opportunity for the jets to play the leafs three straight times austin matthews is ailing could be a major opportunity here for the jets to not only bank some points and push themselves ahead of three four five in the north but Who knows? Could you imagine making the chase for first place? Interesting heading into the second half of the season. Super jacked starting Tuesday night to see how this goes. Hopefully the Jets show themselves a lot better than they did Saturday against Montreal. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you guys stopping by for each and every episode. We'll be back on Friday. Breaking down some Jets-Leafs action. On top of that, another big food interview coming your way. The way we like to close every Friday out and head you guys into the weekend. A bit of a spoiler alert. Bring your stretchy pants because we're going to be talking some pizza. It's going to be great. I can't wait. But again, until then, back on Friday, I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki, On Skates and Blades of the Hockey Podcast Network. Peace!